It's the Sports Talk with Harrison Chase, live from Methuen Community Studios. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Talk with Harrison Chase on Merrimack Valley Public Radio, coming to you live from Methuen Community Studios. If you have a take or comment, feel free to call in by dialing 978-301-6877. That's 978-301-6877. Coming up at 5.15, I'll be joined by head coach of the Merrimack College football team, Coach Dan Curran, so you won't want to miss that interview again. Coming up at 5.15. Getting into uh, everything that has gone on in the past week, the New England Patriots have let go of Cam Newton. That's right. You heard me correctly, and I'll say it again. The Patriots let go of Cam Newton to get the final 53-player roster in. Unbelievable. And with that being said, Mac Jones will be the starting quarterback and is the future of the organization the Patriots and Bill Belichick have said. Unbelievable. Who saw this coming? Oh, let me tell you, absolutely nobody. Nobody. Crazy. I was in I was in absolute shock. I couldn't believe my eyes and ears when I heard this. I, I think it was Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday morning. Un unbelievable. Just around 10 o'clock, maybe like 10.05, 10.10, it got out that he, that the Patriots cut him. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I was so happy. A lot of people were happy, actually, to be honest with you. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation, though, in the past week of why the Patriots got, got rid of uh, Cam Newton. Nobody saw this coming. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's because he wasn't vaccinated. Uh, you know, when when uh, Coach Belichick had his press conference uh, on Tuesday, he basically he basically just said, uh, or, or Wednesday rather, didn't really say much. Didn't really say much. It was very unusual of what he usually does. Praises the player. You know, says he always worked hard, etc., there was none of that. There was absolutely none of that. So weird situation there, um, to say the least. So it'll be interesting um, to see if anything else comes out. And if Cam Newton uh, comes out to say something, you know, in the future, if he might get picked up, um, if he might get picked up by somebody, which as of now we're a week in and that hasn't happened. So is he, you know, is he going to get picked up and is the fact that he uh, is not vaccinated going to have a big impact in his life? You know, is this it for Cam Newton? Is it over? So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what happens with Cam Newton if anything else comes out. Um, But also a week later uh, after he was cut, Today, uh, Bill Belichick came out and basically said, you know, Cam, you know, Cam was great, you know, did always did what we asked, but, 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 the usual, the usual stuff, the usual stuff that he usually says after a player, you know, after they get, uh, you know, trade a player or cut a player, etc. So it, it was, it was weird. And now that it's coming a week behind, it's also like, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, Bill Belichick has been listening to, you know, talk radio or whatever it is. Uh, of all these people saying, oh, it's because he you know, wasn't vaccinated, ba 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 ba, And, you know, here it is. Here it is. And, and you know, so maybe he, he said, okay, I'm going to put an end to it. I'm going to talk highly about him and, and just end it. Uh, so I don't know if that's what he was doing today, but it's just, um, it's very interesting to say the least. It's very interesting. Uh, and, you know, last, last week he, he, he keeps... Uh, you know, bringing up the the vaccine and and uh, you know vaccination status of players and you know did ha- did that have an impact on Cam Newton etc. And you know he said you know if you look at the data, you know there are people that are testing uh, positive for COVID that are fully vaccinated. So he's 
you know, he's he's really, you know, almost still covering for Cam Newton. So it's interesting to, you know, to see this all unfold. And like I said, it's going to be interesting to see if Cam Newton gets picked up by anybody and if he says anything. Because all he said was in a Instagram or whatever post it was uh, Tuesday morning after the news came out that, you know, I, you know, I'm I'm not saying the exact words at all, but you know, some something like you know, I'm okay. Don't worry about me. I'll be you know, I'll be back or something. You know, not be back in New England, but basically, don't worry about me. I'm okay. So just very interesting, very interesting. And then also Tuesday, the Patriots also cut Brian Hoyer. So, now let's get this clear. The Patriots are only going to have one quarterback? Because Jared Stidham's injured. He's not coming in until I think mid, I think it's mid-season. So, how is that going to work? Well, they had to make the 53-man roster. Okay, so they did. And basically, Brian Hoyer is on the practice squad. That happened on Wednesday. So, lots of things happening here that... that uh, I don't think anybody saw coming. And at the end of the day, I mean, Brian Hoyer is not your backup quarterback. Absolutely not. So it's interesting. Uh, it was it was a very interesting Tuesday. I, I couldn't believe it. Absolutely couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, just moving on from, from this whole thing, if you want to call in, you can call in. We can talk Cam Newton talk, 978-301-6877. Uh, but, you know, announcing today, Patriots player uh, Hunter Henry Uh, said that he does expect to return Sunday after injuring his shoulder. So that'll be interesting to see, you know, if he if he plays and you know how he how he is after the injury. Uh, Speaking of Sunday for the Patriots, they'll open up at home against the Miami Dolphins with a four twenty five starting kickoff. The last time it was the regular season and fans were in the stadium at Gillette. For a Patriots game, was the New England Patriots Tennessee Titans playoff game where we lost, and that was Tom Brady's last game ever at Gillette. Let that kick in for a second. But I also think everybody is very excited that uh, that that Cam Newton's gone and and Mac Jones. People are over exaggerating and and saying. Oh, Mac Jones is the next Tom Brady. I'm sorry, but no, no, no. Okay, he's not the next Tom Brady. Nobody, nobody will, will be the next Tom Brady. Tom Brady is is one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not the greatest quarterback of all time. He is not going to be the next Tom Brady. I'm sorry, okay? And you can't expect that. You can't put that on him, uh, you know, coming into this season because he has big shoes to fill. Big shoes to fill. This is like the first, you know, this is the first time that, you know, we have had a quarterback that we're like, all right, you know, this is this is who it's going to be. So it's very uh, it's very interesting to, you know, to see all, all this happen. And so with that, I'm going to I'm going to head over to uh, Ray and Methuen. Ray, what's going on? Hey, Harrison. Uh, good intro so far. You know, we were all shocked by that Cam Newton announcement, but uh, it seems that that's worn off in the past week now. So uh, we look forward, as far as uh, Patriots fans, to the new uh, the new era, the era of Mac Jones, and hopefully everything will uh, work out well for them. Yeah, it felt you know it felt promising hearing um, hearing. Bill Belichick and the Patriots basically say he's the future of this of this team of this organization, and I, I don't think we heard that at all when uh, Cam Newton came on board. And it was very good. I thought it was refreshing to hear that because we have a quarterback. You know, Cam Newton's not our quarterback. He he never was. He never was. I never oh, thought I- of him as it. I, you know, and even at the in the preseason game that I went to, it was like. It was very just eh when Cam Newton was playing. But let me tell you something. When Mac Jones got put in, that stadium got so electric. It was unbel- It was like 
and and here I am, you know, you know, saying that you know Mac Jones will never be the next Tom Brady and this, that, and the other thing. But I'll say it rem- when when Mac Jones went in for the first time at Gillette, it, it was like Tom Brady. It was like how the fans were when Tom Brady would come on the field. It was electric, and it was like we're back, we're back, baby. And so that so it's refreshing to hear all of this, and you know, to hear that hey, Mac Jones will be the next. You know, he's the future of this league. Uh, league well, uh, team, sorry. Team, right. But, uh, it, you know, uh, the season starts on Sunday uh, for the Patriots. Hey, listen, it starts be... off Thursday night with our man Tom Brady. Well, you know, you're right about that, but I think I've moved on over that, uh, or moved past that, because uh, I'm looking forward more to Sunday's game the Patriots and the Dolphins, which is going to be a battle for the Patriots. So, you know, we'll just leave it at that because I know you uh, mentioned that you're going to have Coach Curran on at about uh, 5.15. So I'm looking forward to listening to that uh, interview that you've done with them. But uh, going back to our Red Sox, eh, there's (laughs) there's still a half a game behind the Yankees. Imagine that. The Yankees have have been horrible, and the Patriots—the uh, Patriots and the Red Sox—they just squeezed. They squeezed out a few wins against the uh, the lowly Cleveland Indians, and everybody was cheering. Wow! Listen, they're they're uh, they've won four out of five, and they're on their way. They're they're this they're that. But yet, unbeknownst, and uh, people haven't been watching. The Toronto Blue Jays, they have been sneaking up, and they're only a half a game, I believe, behind the the Red Sox for that wild card position. So no, no, they're far, they're far off. They're far off. They're they're like five games. Red Sox are seventy nine and sixty one, and uh, and the Blue Jays are seventy four and sixty two. They're far off. Well, we're talking about the uh, we're talking about the wild card position. I'm going to have to uh, research that. Uh, but uh, that being said, uh, you know these the Red Sox are going to do nothing, and I'm Bloom more or less. I don't know. He he got a little upset with one of the one of the uh, radio guys uh, earlier uh, in the week, or well, earlier in the week, last week, when it was suggested that he didn't do enough at the trade deadline. So. He's a, he's a guy who's going to make excuses, and uh, we, the fans, are going to pay to go see them play and get our hearts broken once again. But with that said, I'm, I'm going to go. uh, yeah, I'm going to have to let you go here too. I have another yeah. call uh, coming in, so I'll let you go. Thanks for calling in, uh, Ray from uh, Methuen there, and let's go to Bob from Methuen. Bob, what's going on? Hi, Harrison. Good evening. Great show tonight coming up. Thank you. I can't you. wait to hear it. Have about, have about, I'm going to, I'll limit to you for two minutes because uh, I, I do have to get this interview up and going, uh, but but give me yes, your take. Yes. Well, I want to talk a little bit about, I've been listening to a lot of sports radio this week and a lot, and they're saying the Patriots have got a 13-game winning season. And I look back and I cringe and I say, my heavens, God. <laughs> We have a rookie quarterback. There's no chance in hell that Mac Jones is going to get 13 wins this year, although I hope he does, but it ain't going to happen. They would be lucky if they got 13 wins if we had Tom Brady. And, you know, and like you said, to compare Mac Jones to Tom Brady at this point is absurd. Now, what I will agree is compare Mac Jones now to what Brady was when he was a rookie in his first two years. And let's see how he grows and develops. That may be interesting. And I think it will be. I think they got their guy, but it's going to take years of development. And I just don't think in God's name they're going to win 13 games this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, a, that's, that's a long stretch to say that they're going to win 13 games. I mean, it's, yeah. a lo- it's a long stretch. I'd be happy with like 10 or 11. I mean, listen, they went 9-7 and seven last year, so... I'd say they're going to do better than nine and seven, but 
13 games? I, I just, I'm sorry. 13 and four, All only right. four losses with the rookie quarterback. I'm sorry. I just can't see it. I totally agree. You know, I wish nothing but the best for Mac. I like Mac, but, you know, he's keep in mind, he's a baby. He's a rookie. You know, let's let him develop. And, you know, I will agree, you know, the development period of when Brady started back in the early 2000s. It took time. But, uh, yeah, it, it's going to waste. Not as the Red Sox go, I hate to bounce over really quickly. I only got about a 30 seconds left. Is that I gave up on them for the division, but, you know, there might be a little breath of hope in the, in the uh, wild card division, you know, for, the, for that wild card. Right. I'm hoping there's 20 games. I'm just 20 games left. But what's killing them right now is not the bats, it's their defense. They're dropping balls, they're fumbling balls. I watched that Tampa Bay game the other day. The fifth inning, they had a seven to one lead and blew it. Yeah, you know, and you know, they're, they're throwing balls all over the field. Yeah, you know, you may get away with that with the Orioles, but you're not going to get away with it with the Rays. Absolutely so, not. And I'm going to leave you at that, uh, Bob. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Very good. Good luck, Alex. I look forward for this next segment. Yep. Thank you. All right, so there's uh, Bob uh, from Methuen there. And again, you're listening to the Sports Talk with Harrison Chase on Merrimack Valley Public Radio, coming to you live from Methuen Community Studios. And now I'm going to be joined by head coach of the Merrimack uh, College football team, Coach Dan Curran. I'm now joined by Merrimack College head coach, head football coach, Dan Curran. Coach, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Harrison, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Coach, it seems like the past year and a half has all been a blur. Uh, last season was probably one of the toughest seasons for you, dealing with COVID and a long year for your players because usually your season is in the fall and the guys will get some time off before the spring activities start up. But last year, you were practicing in the fall and in the winter because you had your season in the spring. How have you managed the past six months to be able to keep your guys fresh for the start of this season that is hopefully going to be somewhat back to normal? It, there's no question it was an unusual uh, process. I mean, no one's ever really been through it before, so you kind of have to figure out as you go, and, and we certainly felt like we did a good job of that. Uh, the fall, we did practice, but there, was real, there wasn't much continuity. Uh, we would practice for a couple and then would be shut down, and yep. kind of like everyone else around the country, it was, a, it was a work in progress. So limited access to the kids. You know, the winter now when the kids are home ends up being almost like a summer preseason deal, yeah. which was challenging because then we come back in the spring you know, with limited time again with the kids. And, and quite frankly, the concerns you have in addition to timing and, and continuity and chemistry is, is just soft tissue injuries. And we had a good deal of that stuff that went on, but so did everybody else. Um, but it was an interesting experience to go through. And I think in the long run, I think it could make us better. Number one, you get these guys valuable game reps, which you, yep. you can't duplicate that anywhere else, no matter what you do in practice or yep. your off-season program. You get a chance to evaluate your young guys. Um, and I think the most important piece, if you can work your way through a pandemic – and all the different challenges you have, whether it's meeting through guys through virtual, not doing in-person meetings, um, limited access to the weight room, limited access to practice time. If you can make that work, then when you get in a normal uh, day-to-day schedule that you, we have right now in the fall, it, it makes things that much easier. So yeah. we look at it as an opportunity to grow and, and evolve and get better. And I think we've done that. Yeah. Uh, the school went all Division One two years ago now. Uh, you're two years out until you can play in the playoffs. Yep. How hard is this for you and your team to get motivated knowing that there is no trophy to hoist at the end of the season? Honestly, we don't look at it any differently. Our goals are the same. Uh, the things we talk about at the end of the day is, is about a standard. And, and the way we evaluate ourselves is the standard that we set for ourselves, you know, and what it means to be a Merrimack football player, what it means to be part of this community. And, you know, we, our, our motto at, at Merrimack football is, is to be Mac tough. And basically what that means uh, in, in layman's terms is we want guys that great deal of pride and outworking their opponent people that are physically, mentally tough, people that are great competitors that love the game, and most importantly, people that are great teammates. And those guys are guys that are going to be successful on and off the field. And when you have that, and it's to me, I think when that culture is embraced, uh, it looks, it feels, it sounds differently on game day. So for us, we just want to put out a good product every Saturday, and we want to live up to the standard that we've set for ourselves. In regards to the championship, that is actually something we can do. We can't represent the, the conference in the playoffs, but if we win the league outright – um, we can right. host just similar yeah. to what our ba- soccer and basketball teams did in years past. And, you know, 2019 was a great start for us. Uh, I think we exceeded pretty much everyone's expectations but our own. You know, we came out the gate and 
one of just a handful of teams in the history of the NCAA to have a winning record in year one. And honestly, we're two or three plays away from being an eight or nine win team, which is, hasn't been done really ever as your first year in the transition. And we're excited about the last two recruiting classes and where this program is at. And this is going to be a big hump year for us, not only as a team, but as a program. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. Um, a follow-up question to this is, do you think it is fair that if you move from Division three to Division two or Division two to Division one, that your team should be punished for moving into a harder division and not being able to compete in the playoffs for four years? So, you know, for me, someone that came in as a freshman right when the school went all D1, if I played a sport, I would never see the playoffs because for myself, I think moving up into a harder division is a punishment itself. Yeah, I mean, I think there's certainly um, some debate over that exact topic, what you're talking about. I think there is some leeway there, um, and, and there may even be precedence for us maybe getting in a year earlier. That isn't a done deal yet, and that's above my pay grade. But we, we only focus on the things we can control. Yeah. And we have an unbelievable schedule in front of us you know, this year and, and for upcoming years. And we're excited to put our brand on the big stage and play a bunch of ESPN games and play some traditional powers in New England, um, which is going to be great not only for our program, but for the entire school and the Merrimack community. Yeah. Um, now that you are D1, how has that changed your philosophy on uh, recruiting? You know what? The other day, I think we're still looking for the same qualities in our kids. You know, certainly you want to see a guy you think can help you on game day. But at least for us, and I can only speak <clears throat> for our program, is we want someone that's going to make our locker room better the minute they step on campus, regardless of what they do as a player. Um, so we're looking for those intangibles that I mentioned earlier and, and what embodies what it means to be Mac tough. And, you know, we've in, in years past, sometimes passed on a kid who we think is a talented kid, but maybe he doesn't fit our culture. Um, and I think if we've done anything well here in my tenure, it's recruited great people. And recruited the right types of kids that are going to come into this program and be not only leaders in our program and be talented student athletes, but be leaders on this campus. Yeah. Uh, as someone who grew up in Massachusetts, graduating from Chelmsford High and then UNH and now being a coach, how do the Massachusetts high school football players compare to other football players in other parts of the country? Well, I think you're starting to see that even more now that the, the, the best players in Mass are getting recruited nationally. And, and that's an awesome thing for, for high school football, not only in Mass, but in New England. Um, and I think in years past, it was probably preconceived notions about maybe the lack of talent or depth that's in this area. And, and I can tell you, the best players in New England, and particularly Massachusetts, can play anywhere. And that's gone on since even back when I was playing in high school in the late 90s, early 2000s. And what's happening now is I think schools and programs are doing a little bit more in-depth research in the recruiting process. And I think there's a little bit more of a commitment level for high school football and training the offseason around here. So once a couple of kids make that jump, it's opened the doors for a bunch of other kids, and it's good for everybody. Um, Massachusetts High School football is, is very, very talented and good, and, and the high school coaches do a tremendous job developing their kids. And, you know, we've done a good job developing recruiting pipelines to New Jersey and to the, the Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, uh, as well as New York. But honestly, some of the best pr- kids that ever stepped foot in our program uh, are Massachusetts kids. And, you know, the recruiting 101 is protect your backyard. And we want to yep. continue to do a great job in Massachusetts and bring the best players in the state to Merrimack. Yeah. Uh, you're entering your eighth year as uh, coach of the Warriors. How have you seen the program change throughout the years? Well, I think the biggest thing is even be, when I inherited this job and came in, you know, I was a coordinator on, on John Perry's staff, you know, before he went to the Texans. And before him, you know, Jim Murphy was here who did a great job. And ironically, the first head coach of this program was my head high school coach, wow. Tom Cato. So it's kind of a full circle deal for me. But, you know, looking at not just Merrimack, but even the, our old conference, the NE10, there was a... a, a a big investment in scholarship money and in staffing and facilities from the first year I got in until literally when we left in 18. And because of that, you saw better talent and more depth across the board. And, you know, that's why you started to see any 10 kids, you know, given opportunities to play in the NFL, including our, some kids from Merrimack, as well as our out of league games. We're starting to win those games. Yeah. Um, and, and then I think obviously the transition to division one, you know, you're going to get increased uh, resources, whether it's scholarship staffing facilities. And I think for us, you know, it was even more significant because we were not a fully funded D2 program. You know, we were on the lower end in the NE10. So, you know, as challenging as it is to make the transition to Division One, we're now actually closer to our competitors uh, than we were, honestly, in the NE10 as far as some of those important resources come into mind as far as scholarship and staffing. So that's a good thing for our program, uh, and it's a good thing for both the NEC and the NE10. Yeah. Uh, you know, you brought up, you know, having players uh, drafted, signed into the NFL. What was it like having two of your own players signed to signed into the NFL this past season. One player was defensive back Jovan Grant, 
uh, who got signed by the L.A. Rams, and the other being offensive lineman Sam Cooper by the Baltimore Ravens. So we like to think of it, it, it to me, as a reward for all our guys. And, you know, Merrimack has kind of developed a re- reputation now as a, as a program that gives kids that opportunity to play at the next level. And it's, it's, a, it's a very much a realistic thing here. You know, we started that way back in, in 2010 and 11. We had a, three guys signed, which is unheard of at the Division II level. Um, we've had, you know, I think in total seven or eight guys that have had that opportunity and a couple guys going to CFL and the Arena League as well. And, you know, we've annually been able to put on a pro day and kind of utilize some of our past relationships that I had as a player uh, with guys that I either played for or played with that are now in front office jobs or coach positions in the NFL. And, you know, at the end of the day, that just gives kids an opportunity. At the end of the day, it's still about them going out and performing. Um, but I think because those kids have made the most of those opportunities, we've now developed a track record and a reputation where, you know, our pro day now brings kids in from BC sometimes in Syracuse. Right. We had a kid come in from Notre Dame and Harvard and Holy wow. Cross. And it's a great thing for our program. It's a cool thing for our players. Uh, and it's a great thing for the Merrimack brand. Um, in addition to Sam and Jovan, who you mentioned, we had, a, we had a young man from Everett who was a four-year starter and a captain for us that signed in the CFL as well. You know, we expect we've had, you know, all 32 teams come through uh, to look at uh, one of our corners who's on the, on the senior bowl watch list, which is a huge deal. Um, and Darren McKenzie. And we have a number of other talented seniors this year that are going to have an opportunity to play at the next level too. So it's a great thing for our program. It's something we want to continue to do and give our guys an opportunity to shoot for, for the moon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you guys have a number of graduate students on the roster led by uh, Weston Elliott, uh, yep. who comes to Merrimack from D1A Louis, uh, Louisiana Tech. Uh, another is uh, Clay Legault. No, Clay's actually, he's, he's a Merrimack guy. But okay. um, you're thinking of Sean Page probably okay. from UMaine, yes? Yep. Okay, on the offensive line, yep. uh, you know, who has been elected a captain on the team. How have graduated players impacted the team and other players uh, being able to have an extra year because of COVID? Yeah, I think it's a positive thing. Number one, first and foremost, an opportunity to get your master's, right? Yep. You get two degrees, um, that's going to open a bunch of doors for you and make it, you know, your opportunities are going to be much more extensive than if you had just your undergrad. So that's an awesome thing for our, our student-athletes. And I think the chance in a sport like football, when it's all about physical development and experience, uh, it's, it's a grown man sport, as they say, right? It's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. It's unusual to see a true freshman or even a sophomore make a huge impact in this sport the way you would say in basketball and hockey, just because of the physical development piece. So that extra year of developing, the opportunity to get their master's, and then for some of these guys, the opportunity to play at the next level is going to be that much more realistic to have another year of film, another year of a full season. And Clay Legault's one of those guys that you mentioned um, that's going to have an opportunity to do that. And you mentioned Weston Elliott. You know, we're not a big transfer school. Um, we, we feel like we prefer to do it homegrown. That's kind of the culture of our program. But when yeah. we do go after transfers, we do our homework on guys, and we want to make sure we're bringing in not only the right player, but the right person in our locker room. And yeah. Sam Cooper's a great example of that. He's one of the best leaders we've ever had here, and he, he elevated everyone around him, including the coaches. And I think Weston is a guy that's come in in the summer, uh, really won, won over his teammates earned their respect as well as the coaches, and he's worked really hard, and he's had a tremendous preseason camp. We expect him to have a good year, and he's been great for the younger quarterbacks in that room to develop and learn what it takes to be successful at this level. And the other individual you mentioned, Sean Page, who came in was a starter for UMaine. Um, He's another guy that we're going to plug and play and be our starting left guard, and he comes in with a ton of experience, and he's also got an opportunity to potentially play at the next level. And uh, anytime you can bring in quality people that have experience that are great players, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think we're both lucky uh, that we're part of a school that has over 99% vaccination rate. However, COVID is still very much a thing, no matter how much, you, uh, you know, a community is vaccinated. What precautions have you taken and has your team taken to help prevent any possible cases in the upcoming season? Well, you know, I think we got, you know, a firsthand experience on, on the things that we need to do, maybe not to the same degree, but with how we handle the spring, just making good decisions, um, you know. You know, the simple things like washing your hands, um, using a mask when we're indoors, um, limiting social gatherings, um, doing a great job of, you know, ha- enjoying your campus life and, and having a, no- a little bit more of a traditional experience, but understand that we're not quite back to being normal and that we all have goals in, in regards to what we want to do with this football season. And more importantly, you know, we look at ourselves as leaders on this campus. So there's a responsibility that comes with that with, you know, holding up that standard that we mentioned earlier uh, and being smart and being responsible and all those things come into play to hopefully minimizing any spread of, of COVID and allowing us to have a full season and allowing the campus to have a full academic year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking ahead to this season, where do you find the strengths uh, of this year's team? The one thing I think that probably is the most overlooked piece, and I've brought it up in past you know interviews, is the jump up is, is more of a depth issue than it is necessarily a talent issue. I think the best players 
at my entire time here, and probably similar with Coach Perry and Coach Murphy and Coach Cato, have always been really talented, but the additional scholarship aid has allowed us to create more depth and competition in each position. So we feel pretty good about every positional group on the team, but I would say if you're going to pick you know, one or two groups, certainly the defensive backfield, even losing to Joe Van Grant to the NFL, and unfortunately Maverick Gamble, one of our graduate students, who's a very talented guy, is going to be out for the minimum of seven or eight weeks with a broken clavicle. Um, we have what we think is three all-conference caliber corners, including Darren McKenzie, who we mentioned earlier, yeah. and Caleb Holden and Anthony Weathers. So I think that's a talented group that we're going to look at uh, to not only make plays on Saturday, but, but provide leadership for this program. And I'm excited to see what that group does. And I think, you know, we got some young guys. We're still developing on the D-line, but our starting group, um, you know, when you talk about at least the bookends, the D-ends, you know, I think those two are as good as anybody in the league. And, and Corey Hageman, who's a captain, and Nick Lennon, who I think could be the best D-end in the league. You know, both those guys are tremendous leaders, players, and teammates. Uh, and, and those are guys that really set the tone for our program every day. So those would be the two positional groups, I think, that stand out the most. But we're excited about a bunch of groups, you know, on both offense and defense and to see kind of where this thing goes for the entire season. Yeah, you, so you open up uh, the season with two non-conference teams this weekend home against St. A's and next weekend against Holy Cross. Yep. What have you heard about the other teams uh, in the league? So, you know, I think right now, you know, at least from the media's perspective, and it's tough because, you know, you don't always know. Some of the, the stuff the media focuses on is the skill position. Yep. Um, but as you and I both know, that the games are won and lost up front. Right. Um, but you look at some of the, the premier programs that have been consistently good and um, in the NEC year in, year out. And that's the great thing about this league is on any given Saturday, anybody can beat anybody. And you saw that really the last couple of years that we played in it. Anybody can beat anybody. But I think Sacred Heart coming off a league championship with probably the best player maybe in the country at his position, certainly the best player in our league in Julius Chestnut. Um, and then I think you look at Central Connecticut, who won the league in years past. They were 11-0, and and you know what? We were actually their closest game outside of their FBS loss. And yeah. uh, and then you look at a Duquesne, uh, and, and, and the coach has done a tremendous job really building that program from the ground up, and they're a program that gets a lot of FBS transfers. But, yep. you know, across the board from top to bottom, Bryant's better. You know, Wagner's going to make a big jump this year. Um, you know, and I look at St. Francis, they were off, you know, the, the years past. I think they're going to make a big jump. And then obviously our old rival at LIU, they're always a physical football team. So I expect it to be neck and neck. But those first three teams I mentioned, I think, will be probably at least the ones that are favored going into the year. Now, what goes after that? I mean, a lot of has to come into play with whether it's staying healthy, you know, competing, executing, all those things. And, and that will play itself out over the course of the fall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Last year was a year like uh, no other, minimum fans, fans in the stands. What's it going to be like to take the field again tomorrow with your team in front of a full crowd? I think the kids have been raring to go. First of all, to hit someone besides themselves, right? <laughs> I and mean, we've been getting after each other pretty good, and I'm sure most teams across the country feel the same way. But, you know, I think college football, when you think about college football, it's not just competing on the field. It's all the things that come with it, with the experience. You know, with the band, uh, with the fans, the atmosphere, playing in the fall, it just feels right. It yeah. feels different. It's a special experience if you've ever been a part of it, whether you are as a as a student, a fan, alumni, or a player, or a coach. And it's something that our kids and our coaches have been looking forward to for quite some time. And we're really excited about you know getting to go here against St. A's tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, well, Coach, uh, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Good luck this season, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. Harrison, appreciate you having me. Look forward to, to touching base soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Take care. All right, so uh, there you have it, uh, my interview there with head coach of uh, Merrimack College Football, Coach Dan Curran. Coach, thanks for doing the interview with me. Uh, you know, I appreciate it. Uh, always appreciate it, and hopefully, uh, we'll hopefully have you back Have you back soon. Again, you're listening to the Sports Talk with Harrison Chase on Merrimack Valley Public Radio, coming to you live from Methuen Community Studios. All right, and if you'd like to call in, 978-301-6877. That's 978-301-6877. And with that, let's go to John in the car. John, what's going on? Hey, what's up, Harrison? Not much. Did you happen to catch that video of the Wisconsin game? They got the um, Everlast song going there, Jump Around. Oh, yes, yeah. That was pretty. That was pretty awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, it's good you know, to see. You know, it's good to see. And, and I think this is what you're you're getting at. It's great to see these stadiums packed again, and in the excitement. It's it's unbelievable. It's something like it's like we haven't seen it in two years. 
it took too long. That's the problem. It didn't have to be the way it was. And now they're, 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 they're packing these stadiums up, okay? And that's the United States of America. That's the way it's supposed to be. Kids in the stands, going to college, having fun, jumping around, you know, that's what it is, man. And it, it was just, I, I, I watched it, and I, I probably showed the, showed it to 12 different people. It, it, it was very touching, and I, I, I enjoyed the video very much, so... Yeah, and, and just to feed off that, even us, uh, you know, back at Merrimack College, you know, my last question with Coach Curran was, you know, you know, what's it going to be like to walk out, to go out there in, in front of a full full stadium? Something you haven't had in two years. Two years. And, you know, he was ecstatic about it. And to be there was unbelievable. Just to be back with everybody was great. Not even a, not even a full stadium, just... People, you know, having a guy heckle somebody or, yeah. you know, just, you know, just feel alive again. I mean, it, it just, it's gone on for so long that it's, you know, just to see, you, you can actually feel the, the electricity, not even, not even by being in the stands, just by watching on TV. And, you know, I don't know, it seems like the play's got a little bit more of a, a, a hop in their steps. Absolutely. Just, they feed off of it. They feed off of the crowd energy. They really do. It's, and it's, you know, oh, my God, how awesome would it be just to, like, be at that Wisconsin game or in Virginia Tech when they play into Sandman and they're all going bananas. Yeah. Even that video with the, even, even the Wisconsin video, the commentator was dancing. They showed the, 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 they showed the sideline reporter, the, the girl jumping around. I mean, it was, oh, man. That was like I got goosebumps. That was really awesome. So hey, it's gonna it's gonna be good to be back at at Gillette too on Sunday with with a packed packed stadium. And and by the way, not even to just like be be a part of that, but then let's wait four weeks to have Brady come in. That's gonna be even better. Oh my God! I agree. I agree. It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be crazy. And you know what? You're gonna probably see a few more videos like that. Before you know the next couple of weeks with these openers and you know they, they, they said like something like six hundred and forty one days since we did this or something yeah that's what they six hundred and forty one days since they were pretty much allowed to have a full pack stadium yeah and uh, I, it's just good to see I, I just hope we keep moving forward and I hope we you know keep just moving forward and moving to some sort of normalcy. I don't think the thing's going to go away, but I think we got to learn how to manage this a little bit better. Stop scaring people. Let the people that want to be safe be safe. Let the people that want to go out go out, and let's let's just start living our lives. That's the way I feel. I hope it. I hope it happens. Yeah. No. I think I think everybody's hoping for things to go back to normal sooner rather than later, to say the least. Yeah. Definitely. Well, uh, I will touch on Mac Jones. I think that. Uh, I think that the Patriots had the absolute perfect um, drafting spot, and this guy just kind of fell into their hands. Uh, they did draft him, but it seems like he can find the open guy. Um, he's going to make some mistakes. There's going to be some lumps, I'm sure, along the way. But let's not forget, this kid's a rookie. He's not, you know, he's not Tom Brady. You know, there's never going to be another Tom Brady in our lifetime. I hate hearing that, too. He's going to be the next oh. Tom Brady. No, no, nobody will be the next Tom Brady. He is the greatest of all time. You're not going to do that again. He's on. He's he's almost to the point of the greatest athlete of all time, not just the greatest football player. So yeah, you know, he, 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 Mac Jones is going to be Mac Jones, and yeah, he seems like a seems like a pretty poised kid. I see him drop back, and I see him kind of survey the field, and boom, he gets rid of the ball. He looks really good. I think he's going to be able to run for a first down here and there. That's not going to be his game, but that's something that, you know, he's going to be able to do. Um, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of dump-off plays. They get they got a couple of good skilled running backs in there now that can catch the ball and, and make people miss. Um, you know, they're definitely going to be better than last year. I definitely see them um, – see them you know making the playoffs um but 
it's all going to be depending on – I think they're going to have a pretty good defense. I think it's going to be really good, actually. And it, I think it will all depend on their defense to see how far that they go into the playoffs. And how, how awesome would that be, like a Tom Brady-Mac Jones Super Bowl? Wow. Well, Unbelievable. You know what? We're gonna get it. We're getting that. We're getting that this in four weeks. I mean that 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 game right there. It is the Super Bowl almost. It is. I I I can't wait to see the ratings and and just uh just a. It's gonna be something that I don't think anybody has ever seen or experienced before. I mean this is this is it. Belichick versus Brady on two different sides of the field. This is it. And then if it, then if they're both in the Super Bowl together, oh my God! I know, I know. Forget about it. I know. I agree. It's this is this is one of the, you know, this is this is probably one of the biggest games in New England sports history. I mean, I sure how about sports? Really- how about sports history? Uh, it could be, yeah, sports. It's the only thing is, is it's the regular season game. If we put it in the playoffs, if we go to the Super Bowl, well, if it's, history. if it's, yeah, if it's Super Bowl sports history, you're right. But okay, beca- yeah. but because of the regular season, uh, okay, I can, I understand that. Yeah, you want to say biggest regular season game of all time? I, I'm, you know, I'll jump on board. Yeah, you know? <laughs> absolutely. But it's definitely going to be up there. Especially with football, there's only 16 games. It's not like baseball with, you know, there's 100 and some odd and 160. And, right. You know, hockey, basketball, the same. So you don't have as many chances to get these types of matchups. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to see how the um, – they are built to beat Brady, by the way. I don't know if you know that. They have fast rushes. Yeah. They are going to be able to get after the ball, after the quarterback. And the one thing that when Brady has gotten beat – the one thing is they put pressure on him and they hit him and sack him. So they, it's kind of funny how they're built to beat Brady right now. I mean, I'm not going to say Belichick drafts for that reason or goes after those types of players, but for some reason this year, he it seems like he's, you know, he's got Jude well, on and, and a couple other guys. So Listen, I know. bet he did. I bet he did. I bet he drafted to beat Brady because I think he knows if he can beat Brady – he can win the Super Bowl. So I, I would not be surprised. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if he just wants to have a, a pass rush. I, that right. Too, but, but knowing that, yeah, that is one thing that you need to be Tom Brady. I mean, you know, it kind of all goes hand in hand. But um, it's going to be interesting. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the first game. And then, uh, yeah, well, well, let's just see. It's going to be a fun year, though. Yeah, a- absolutely. I'm uh, I'm I'm totally with you on that one. I'm looking forward to it. All right, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get rolling. Thanks for taking my call. Have a great day. All right, thanks, my man. I appreciate it. See you, buddy. All right, so there's uh, I said John from the car, but it's actually John from Butter Bing. And with football season right here around the corner, go get the Harry special. Get the buffalo chicken dip. Get the buffalo tenders, and get the mozzarella sticks. Go down there and get the Harry special on game day. On game day, I promise you, you cannot go wrong. You won't go wrong. Lots of Patriots talk. Lots of Patriots talk. Let's try to steer away a little bit from it. Um, You know, just... And with that, I'm going to go to my good friend Matt in Rhode Island. Matt, what's going on? Hey, Harrison, how are you today? Doing good. So I kind of want to, we're all happy that Mac Jones got the job, right? I don't think there's any disagreement there. I I agree. Um, My only concern is that the expectations that are immediately getting put onto him might be a little out of reach and a little too much. And there's for a couple of reasons why. One is just because of his pure age. He's young. Right. He's 23. He he hasn't. He hasn't played in an NFL game. And I understand the whole Nick Saban argument and how he, him and Belichick talked about the draft and how he's just farther along than other guys. That, that's, that's fine. But the reality is he hasn't played in an NFL regular season game yet. And we all know it's a lot different than a preseason game. And I think – I don't know if you saw the picture that's gone around um, of when him and Newton were there 
uh, together. There's a picture of them on the practice field, and he just looks so small compared to Newton. I understand Newton's a big guy, but Newton looks like uh, like a pro. He looks like a pro, not like he plays like a pro, but he looks like a pro NFL quarterback. And Mac, I mean, kind of, he kind of just looks small. And I, I, I've heard it from a couple people around that I've talked to that they're a little nervous about how he will hold up in a 17-game season because obviously this is the longest season they've had yet. So I don't know. I think there's a little bit of concern there about his durability and that whole knee thing, whatever happened there. I think it was just protective, but in case anything did happen there. So I guess I'm just wondering what you think about, is he truly ready for a 17-game NFL season? And with, and with a team that has the most expectations of anybody in the league just because of who we are. You know, you know, Matt, you hit on that. I think you're right, but you know what? I also think he, he's ready. Um and the only reason why I say this, I think if if he was coming from any other organization besides Alabama and Nick Saban, I'd say no. But I think because Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are best friends and they're very much alike in same coaching styles, I think he's going to be ready. I think he knows what he got into. I think, you know, I'm sure Belichick and him talked multiple times before the draft. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about it. I think he's ready to go. I think he knows his role. I think he knows what he has to do. I mean, here he, I mean, people are saying he knows the playbook better than Cam Newton. And he was on WEI today and telling, yeah. saying how his girlfriend's out there in the yard with him yeah. running plays, getting to know the playbook. That's dedication right there. And then, and then of course, you have the joke that Mac Jones's girlfriend knows the playbook better than Cam Newton. Yeah. So it's just funny. It's funny. I but to he I think he's ready. I think he's ready, man. He looks good. He looks good. Yeah, he he does look good. And I don't think we're doubting the decision to cut Cam one bit because I think that was the complete right move. And just going and going to Mac right away was clearly what from what we've heard now from trickling down the organization with that Nikovich comment and then what what we heard today on EEI. I don't think there's any doubt that he's the guy. I'm just I'm just hoping he can hold up physically. And I think if I think if he does, then the expectations can be like what everyone is saying. Like I, I think I heard something on Felger and Maz where it was like his his floor was Kirk Cousins, and then his ceiling was yes. Peyton Manning or something outrageous like Some, that. It was something like that. Yep, you're right. It was something like so that. I, I mean, I, I I think those are those are good. I mean, I, I I understand where those come from. I just I just hope that. Like, as, as time goes on, I think we have better weapons now. Because I think if we put him in with the weapons we had last year, then I think it would be an utter disaster. Because he, he, didn't have, he wouldn't have anybody to throw to. And I understand he's a, he, he is what he is. He's going to be a good player in this league. I'm not doubting that. I think he's going to be a great quarterback in this league. But I just think the players we have around him are a big part of why or how um, he, he's going to evolve as a quarterback. And I think, I think one part that's getting – um, a little bit on not talked about is that maybe that maybe Bill had this plan to get all these guys knowing that he would take Mac, like making all these free agent signings like Smith, Aguilar, and Hunter Henry, knowing that he had Mac Jones coming in um, through the draft. So maybe that would more like progress his um, progress his development, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, de- yeah, definitely. Um... I just, it's gonna, it's just, see, I always, you know, my, my philosophy is, is that, is that I think Belichick, he's just, he's always a step ahead. He, he just knows, right? And, you know, going into the draft, you know, I, I think he probably had a sense that he was gonna get Mac Jones. Mac Jones was probably gonna fall to them. Uh, so it's just, it's just, uh, it's, it's how the teams run. It's just it's the next step mm-hmm. up, yeah. and I I think I just think it's you know uh, Belichick has that. Belichick has yeah. that, and and it it works to our advantage obviously. And now he's going to teach Mac Jones it, and Mac Jones already has a somewhat experience of it from Nick Saban. So if there was yeah. one guy that we could get, I think Mac is the best guy. I think you know. Mm-hmm. If we had to pick somebody, you know, something that Coach Curran said today, um, you know, on the program, he said, doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the best player, right? And, right. but it can be, you know, 
somebody that is that fits the program. Basically, he'd rather right. have somebody that fits the program better than be the best player. For sure. You know, there, there, can, there can be a best player right out there, but if he's not going to fit the program, we'll tell him to get out of here then. We're not, we don't want him yeah. because that's right. not going to work in our locker room. And I think this right. just, this Mac, he just fit. He just fit. Right. He, I, I just think he fit with it. I really do. Right. I really do. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited. Oh, I completely agree. I'm, I'm, I'm itching to get to Sunday. I already got my Mac Jones shirt. Came in the mail today, so I'm ready to go. That's good stuff. And and before I let you go, I want to talk uh, Red Sox. I know you were at the game yesterday. A pathetic loss. Yeah. Pathetic loss. I don't even want to say the Red Sox lost the game. Verdugo lost the game for them. Come on. You know, you know it's funny because it's always the argument is always oh this, this pitching staff that the relievers aren't doing their job. Well, it's yesterday just proves that they are playing the sloppiest baseball I think I've ever seen. And I've been to, you know, I've been to a couple games this year, like five or six, and it, it's pathetic. Yesterday was just, I was telling the people I was with, I was like, this is the worst loss that we have, that I've ever seen. It, it, it was, it was six unearned runs that they gave up. That, that pop fly to Verdugo in center field with Chris Snell on the mound when that inside the park grand slam shenanigans happened and then that inside the park home run in the ninth that 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 was the worst i've ever seen the defense being played and you should have heard the stadium there it was (laughs) they let him hear it for sure and it was well deserved honestly because it was it was terrible they had i think they ended up with four or five errors which is completely inexcusable and i i I don't know if you follow jared caravis the barstool guy on twitter for the Sox. yeah i do ripped into him too he was just he was like, I don't even know what to say. Like, this is the worst loss I've ever seen, and it was true. I mean, it was it was sad. I mean, you, you go up seven to one in the second inning, and it's and it's oh great, we're good. We got Chris Sale on the mound. This should be no problem. Yeah, that was not that was not the case. It was it was it was sad. I mean, there's no other word to describe it than sad. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It is sad, and I think what is even more sad is that I think you know. If we won that game yesterday, that would have been some great moment. I, if we won that game yesterday, I think a sweep was not far away. I don't because we have that positive momentum winning game one, coming off of two previously uh, wins, you know, winning the last two of the series against the Rays the previous week. So you win the last yep. two, you win two against the Indians, you lose one against the Indians, all right, and then you go in, you play the Rays. If they beat the Rays that game, I'm telling you, they could have swept it. They could have swept it. And then they have a day off, well-deserved day off Thursday, before they play the Chicago White Sox for a three-game series. They could have gone on a big roll, I think. I really do. And they, I, they just blew it. They, I hate saying they because they really didn't. Verdugo blew it. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely right there. And the worst part is the Yankees are scuffling big time right now. They they, they could have picked up a much needed game, moved into first place in the wild card, and they could have and they could have expanded even more if they, like you said, which I think they could have swept the series. I mean, they're a half a game behind the Yankees. They're right there, and and yeah. it's almost pathetic to think that they're still in in reaching room and and that they're still in the playoffs it's crazy it's pathetic they don't deserve it they don't deserve it i'm sorry the way they have played they don't deserve it you know i i was pretty optimistic after these pat after this past week after they won the last two against the rays and then won you know uh two against the indians i'm like all right they're on a four game winning streak we're doing good one loss to the indians fine okay fine four out of the last five games you win fine okay but then, but then we lose yesterday, and it's just it's well, it's heart wrenching. And, and they can make and they can make all the excuses they want, saying that they have all these guys out with COVID. But five errors and that defense by Verdugo, who's a reg, everyday player, is just it's it's crazy to me how people try to make excuses for them because that's absolutely no excuse for that loss. No, no matter who you add on the on playing in the field, it's just bad. I mean, aren't they professionals? Aren't they professionals? Yeah, right. They get paid to do this. 
You, I mean, you send a kid out, send a kid out from the Little League World Series, and he wouldn't drop that catch. Come on! <laughs> no, it's it's all it's all well deserved frustration and and just really just anger towards the team because it looks like they're not even they're not even trying on defense and almost looks like it's that bad. And something I haven't so, mentioned yet, Matt, is that you yeah. know they. They had COVID. They're in the middle of a COVID outbreak, right? And they win these yep. two games against the Rays without one of their, yep. if not their star player, Xander Bogarts, right? Yep. I mean, right. man, man, I thought they were on a roll. And in fact, people, they won yeah. their, they lost their last two games against the first two games against the Rays while the COVID thing's kind of ha- right in the middle right. of it. And I'm like, we, we might get swept. Right, I'm. I'm like, this yep. is it. Like, we are now officially done. And then they win two games against the race. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, I was in the same boat. I was, I was, I was shocked. They, like you mentioned, four in the last five games. Going into the game, I'm like, wow, it's actually like a really big game, turning point game. Second inning comes around, it's seven to one. I'm like, wow, this this team's really turning a corner. And then all their guys are going to come back and it's just going to get even better. Hopefully, to where it was in the first half of the season. And then it all just comes crashing to a screeching halt. So it's it's just disappointing. It's on so many levels. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I think I mean honestly, Matt, they had a bad game yesterday. But again, they it's just bo- it's bothering me saying it. I just want to say Verdugo every yeah. time. And um, no, you know, they have lost their past two games, but now they have two games against the Rays. And now listen, if they win these next two games against the Rays. I might be failing just as good as I was failing last week when they won the two games against the sure. Rays, right? Because now sure. they're they you know they get the hunch they win more games out of the overall series. They win four out of the seven games against the Rays. Not yeah. great, but pretty solid, pretty solid, pretty solid. So, and that's what Cora preaches: to win, win series and move on. You take two out of three, your record will improve as time goes along. Right. And the more series you win, you're most likely going to get in the playoffs or more there position right now which like you said still blows my mind that they're in a position right now for the playoffs but just hopefully they figure it out and turn the page i know cora is a good manager he'll have a good message for them but uh that's tough to move on from that one that's for sure and and for me myself i'm surprised and just to hit on this chris sale thing he's yeah i mean i guess this was, was this his first loss did that go under him so it didn't go under him because i think they like whatever they got tied later right. in the game. I think I think it was a no decision, but he lit up. I think it was. I saw ten hits, and that that's not Chris Sale like. That, that, yeah. That, I mean, I I understand the Rays are a really good team, but right. Ten hits is is not your ace. That's that's more like your third or fourth pitcher. So yeah. I mean, I hey, know, he still has. Concern, he's so he must right. be. If he didn't get the the loss yesterday, then he must be undefeated. He's still undefeated, three and zero. He is still undefeated. Which, yeah, to be honest, I think he's doing yeah. a lot better than I thought, than I anticipated. Yeah, right. So I'm happy about that. I'm happy. Right. And I think those four unearned runs, everyone Verdugo dropped it, they did change it to unearned runs. So it really was only a one earned run and just about, I think, three and two thirds of four innings pitch. So, I mean, by, by the stats, besides the hits, I mean, he didn't pitch that bad. I think he had seven strikeouts and that one earned run, but the 10 hits is really what freaks you out. So we'll, we'll see what happens when he pitches. Hopefully, maybe he'll pitch against Chicago or the series after that, but we'll see. They're going to have to figure it out because they have a really good chance here to overtake the Yankees and get into that first wild card spot, which we know is huge for that home, uh, home field advantage in the playoffs. So we'll see. All right, my man. Thanks for calling in. Great, uh, great talking with you today. I got amped up. You got me amped up. You gave me the push I needed. You gave me well, the push I needed. After yesterday, I mean, we, we, there's, there's no, there's no fault in you for getting amped up about that. I mean, I was, it was just, it's, it's. I, I can't even find the words because it was that bad. But uh, it was great talking to you. Uh, great conversation. Great show. And uh, look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Thanks, my man. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. See ya. All right, so there's uh, there's Matt from uh, Rhode Island for you there, and that's that's gonna bring it to the end of the show today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you everybody for uh, for calling in. Thank you, Coach Curran, for coming on the show, doing the interview. Uh, it was great, great having have having everyone on uh, for all the listeners, for all the callers, and again, Coach Curran, appreciate it. Uh, 
re- really do really do appreciate everybody taking the time and and uh, listening to me talking to me and and all of the above. And I hope everybody had a great uh, Labor Day weekend. I'll be back on the regular schedule Monday uh, next week, five to six, and we'll be we'll be talking about if the New England Patriots and Mac Jones beat the Miami Dolphins and where the Red Sox are at. Thanks again for listening to the Sports Talk with Harrison Chase on Merrimack Valley Public Radio, coming to you live from Methuen Community Studios. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to the Sports Talk with Harrison Chase, Mondays at 5, only on Methuen Community Studios.